I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, hell yeah. NFL week nine, and we're back. A little bit later today, I'm going to bring in the homie from Fox News, Scott Martin, to go over his barking dogs, but... Dan Z, back in the saddle after spending last week in Harvard, of all places. Dan, it's good to yeah, have you back, buddy. I appreciate it. Like most people who uh, go to Harvard, um, I got a little bit dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were on special assignment, which um, deals with topics that we aren't going to talk about here because they are boring, lame, and makes you feel worse about the world. We're here to make you feel better about the world, though. Hopefully, well, don't ask. Don't ask me about my record the last three weeks. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, terrible transition. I'm still, I'm still optimizing my abilities as a host. My bad. I didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't mean to lead you down a dark path there. And I, uh, I wasn't even going to bring dark. it up. I wasn't going to even it's bring dark. it up. Well, you have to. I mean, we got to be honest with the audience. Like, do I, we? Yes. Do we? I okay. yes. Well, I mean, good news for the audience. I didn't come on last week and give them my over five, so you know that's good. It's true. My pot, my podcast record actually isn't as bad as my actual because the over five didn't make it. But uh, yeah, man, uh, rough week, rough couple of weeks. Two for twelve. Normally, when I do my betting picks, I uh, put my record in the headline because you know you want people to click on it when they see you know sixty-two percent. They click on it. So instead, this week, I, and I don't want to lie to people. I'm not going to say from an analyst who's really good at this. I wrote NFL betting picks to fade for Week Nine because uh, oh, you're leaning into it. Apparently, right now is the time to fade. So, well, I mean, we try our best. We show our math on our picks, and I think me and you really know our football and do a pretty good job breaking it down. Just it's tough. <laughs> I mean, stuff tough, happens, dude. right? Like I think we were both on the Browns last week. Seattle got a last-minute touchdown that not only won the game but also covered by one point. That sucked. That's you, know, you putting had, it about as nicely as you could. That was a bullshit bad beat. Absolute bullshit. That was a tough one, you know. Uh, Houston, for some reason, decided after all season of being aggressive passing that they were going to post like a super negative pass rate over expected and, and lost. So it's not like they did it because it worked. They lost. So that made no sense to me. The Ravens, Arizona under, they scored like 17 points combined in the first half. And then again, out of nowhere, like it just, you know, I, I try not to get too down because you have ones that go each way. But like I had a couple where it was like, you know, a couple things go this way or that way. And I go three and two and instead it's own five. So it happens. I actually really like this slate. I found a lot that I was interested in taking. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this uh, Chiefs Dolphins game if you want to get into that. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous about this slate, even though there are some awesome island games. I even like the Thursday night game, Titans-Sealers, but that's just because I'm 
I don't know, I'm a boring old man when it comes to football. I, <laughs> I like defense and slug matches, and I think that's what we're going to be in store for Thursday. Um, the Sunday night the football under. game. Yep, I am on the under. Uh, the Sunday, nice. the Sunday night football game. Bills Bengals. That's going to be awesome. America's game of the week. Cowboys Eagles. That's going to be sick. I'm going to have action on the 1 p.m. game. Uh, the best one, uh, 1 p.m. game, which is going to be Seattle Baltimore. Um, we'll talk about that. But as you already mentioned, we'll start with the uh, Germany game. Well, Miami, if you've got action on, if you've got action on Thursday, we can start there. That's fun. Uh, it doesn't have enough shelf life, you know. Like we're gonna get this out by Thursday at three o'clock, and the game three o'clock Pacific Standard Time. The game will be kicking off. Well, good. Tell us your picks, so then people listening on Friday will know if you uh, were right or wrong. No, that's good actually, because then you could just fade the rest of my dumbass picks. Mm-hmm. Or jump on board like Jeff's got a handle on this slate. <laughs> yeah. I went under 37 in the uh, Titan Steelers because neither team wants to throw the ball. And I don't think either team's going to throw the ball. They're both terrible on third down. They're both terrible in the red zone. So we're going to see a lot of the a lot of the kickers on Thursday night. Uh, Kenny Pickett's dealing with an injury. Will Levis is making his second career start after just lighting up. The Atlanta Falcons, I think he's in really. a regress. That's a, yeah, that's actually kind of the interesting thing that I just want to touch on, so I wanted to, to bring this up. Uh, because I was on the Falcons-Titans under last week, which obviously looked dumb in retrospect because they scored like 20 points over the total. But it was really misleading, which is that Will Levis didn't play as well as people think just because of the score. He just hit all three deep balls that he threw for long touchdowns. And that's just not sustainable in general. So, you know, he wasn't like consistently consistent. He just, he hit some big plays and that can happen. Obviously it can happen in any game. Uh, But I I think that's an important point that, that Levis was a little bit of a flash in the pan and it was based on some really unsustainable uh, deep ball success. Yeah. His down to down efficiency just wasn't there. He did go deep to DeAndre Hopkins, which they needed in the offense, and I think Tennessee Titans fans rightfully should be excited about. To be honest, I thought Will Levis was going to suck coming out of college. I think he's going to suck. Um, Well, that might might have been part of it. Atlanta's like, well, I mean, they're not going to beat us over the top. And they just didn't really guard it. They're like, oh, okay. So maybe that's the one thing he can do, and I expect the Steelers to have seen that and prepare for that. Like, let's make this guy complete six passes on a drive to beat us and not allow over-the-top plays. And I'll say this, Will Levis, let's say he turns out to be a good quarterback, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the NFL this season. Not even not even close, right? It wouldn't be like he was pedigreed in college. You're a Penn State alum. You, you guys got him. Um, um, you recruited him, and I think he was a four- or five-star guy, right? Yeah, and then he didn't make it. So yeah, not always. He sucked. But then again, that happens sometimes. Right. I mean, Joe I, Burrow didn't make it at Ohio State. Right. I mean, the comp that I'll find, and he's starting to regress a little bit. But like Brock Purdy, you know how much money I lost on Brock Purdy in college. Brock Purdy, I can tell you, without a shadow of doubt, Brock Purdy sucked in college, and now he's awesome. You get guys in the right situation. I mean, he's got the physical tools. He has a good coach. If he's good. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm betting that he's not good, at least this week, short week in Pittsburgh. I'm going with the under in Thursday Night Football. 
I like it. I didn't I didn't play it, but I did consider it heavily. Um, I just ultimately decided that I don't know. I don't know why I decided against it. Actually, I mean, the, maybe I'll add it. Yeah, like the unders on primetime games have been gold this year. And you say, well, the market's going to catch up to it. Mm, they don't. That's not how the market. That's not how the public. It's a works. low. It is a low total, but and we'll get into this later because I have a couple unders on my card, obviously, as I always do. But there's five unders this week. Uh, five totals this week that are under 40 points. Like that's, and this is not a heavy slate. This is a bi week slate with five totals under. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Short totals. I mean, not when you consider the NFL quarterback situation. It's not that crazy, actually. I don't know how some of these games are going to get into the 30s. Um, let's talk about a game which there should be no trouble scoring in. These lucky Germans get one of the best games of the week 10 or week nine slate Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs I'll just rip the band-aid off on my handicap I think the Dolphins are going to put it on the Chiefs if this were a playoff game there's no way I would be betting the Dolphins at a coin flip price at least I don't think I would against the Kansas City Chiefs it's not a playoff game and I also don't like the way the Kansas City Chiefs are handling the travel they flew out or are flying out Thursday after practice. We've seen two teams do this this year. The Buffalo Bills, who lost as favorites against we've the Jacksonville Jaguars. Teams, we've actually seen four teams do it. It's just that two of them did it the same week, so neither got an edge. Okay, yeah. Wait. In, in the Atlanta-Jacksonville matchup, because I did the research on this, they both flew out Thursday on the in the very first London game. Sure. Okay. What I'm saying though is there's been two games where one team flew out early or was already there. That would be Jacksonville in that case. And uh, the next game was the Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. And the Baltimore Ravens learned from laying an egg in London a couple of years ago, and they flew out on Thursday to not do that. So they covered and beat Tennessee, who flew out uh, Thursday after practice. Same move that the Chiefs are doing. And I just. I don't know. I just dig Mike McDaniel's vibe and his way about going about this. Um, he said something to the press. I thought it was hilarious because he strikes me as like this kind of like the stoner bro, you know, who's just kind of like a savant. I, I want to just kind of say he is. That is kind of what he does. That's how he gets down. Um, but he was like, yeah, there's some science stuff that I won't bore you. Don't call me on that because I can't. It was like back from May or April when we made this decision, so I can't really remember the science. And how I hear that is like, I don't know, we went to the meeting, I smoked some pot, I forgot about it, but I know this is the right decision because we already discussed it. And, like, I have a similar kind of brain and hobby, and, like, that's how it works. Like, I have to notate everything, you know, but it's like, hey, I'm not going to sit up here and show you my math. I already figured it out, and we we got this. Like, we're going out there, we're going to sightsee, we're going to use this as a bonding experiment or a, uh, uh, a bonding experience, and... I just think the I think Miami's going to get them this week. Yeah, I wrote about this earlier this year. I don't understand how teams haven't figured out this whole international travel thing that flying out after Thursday practice is just not the right thing to do because they essentially fly overnight. I, I think the plan is like sleep on the plane. Um, one of the teams, I can't remember which, flew to London and then went right to practice. And I was like, that's... I don't know what the strategy is because I've never had to fly as an NFL player across 
the Atlantic Ocean and then yep. play a football game. But I'm pretty sure the right strategy isn't fly all night and then go to practice immediately after you get off the plane. So I, I it, it just seems so simple to me to fly on Monday, take Tuesday off, and then just have your normal Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice routine in the place where you're going to play. I, I don't – I honestly can't even wrap my head around the approach the Chiefs are taking, especially after seeing that it didn't work for other teams. And I guess there's that, like, well, we're the Chiefs. Like, we're not them. We're not the Tennessee Titans or we're not the – sorry, what was the other one? Uh, Buffalo Bills. Although, mm, I don't know. The two weird, good man. coaches, two good teams over the recent seasons. It's like if they if they F this up, should you really be nonchalant about it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I really wanted to back the Chiefs here, too, um, for a couple reasons. Uh, first was that the rule of Dan Z, Chiefs are coming off an embarrassing loss, and that seems like the perfect time to jump on their bandwagon this week. Um, the other thing is that, you know, draft according to DraftKings at least, like they're taking money on Miami as an underdog, which, you know, that's usually not a good sign, public underdog. And I started to write up, I'm taking the Chiefs, but literally the travel. I was like, I don't, I, that's it. That's my entire analysis basically boils down to, I cannot believe they're waiting till Thursday night to travel. And Miami, I think did it right. And honestly, when you look at the analytics and everything, like these teams are, Miami's actually slightly better than Kansas city. They are. And pretty much, you know, the chiefs defense is, is better than the dolphins defense, but Miami's offense is, is way better than, and, and overall Miami's just better. And so they're an underdog that's a better team that I think chose the correct travel plan. So that's it. The usual violators of the rule of Dan Z are, it's because they get, um, they take too much stock out of like a previous embarrassing loss, but every one of the markets going to be like, Oh no, chiefs are going to get right here. Chiefs are going to take it out on them. Or I've heard a lot of internet sharps just like throw their hands up and be like, listen, my numbers say the Dolphins, but it's the the Chiefs in a short number, and how can we not take? And I and I and, honestly, and I hear that, and it shit, it could be right, it could catch right. The but the market didn't really react that much. The Chiefs were two and a half point favorites going into last week in this game, and now they're two. Maybe well, it depends where you look, but it did. The line didn't move much, so the market didn't really react because I think books are afraid to go too far, and then they take a ton of money on the Chiefs. Well, it's it's reacting because of good injury news of the Dolphins. It's right now at plus one and a half on points bet, down from two and a half because they're going to get Xavier Howard back, possibly Javon Holland cleared concussion protocol. Taron Armstead is practicing and flew out to Germany. Um, they have another offensive lineman that could suit up, and uh, Jalen Ramsey returned last week. Now, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard are, are huge. Xavier Howard sucked uh, the past like year or so, but like, there is not a lot of talent with the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. Vic Fangio knows no, we and, can and stick Jalen Ryan. Javon Holland playing means he can guard Travis Kelsey. So who's going to break free for Kansas City? I was going to say he, they can, he can even... guard Travis Kelsey to some extent, as well as anyone else can guard Travis Kelsey. Doesn't mean Travis Kelsey's not going to get ten catches for a hundred yards, but I think Miami can withstand that. They I need even... to avoid him getting like fourteen catches for one hundred eighty yards. Yeah, ripping their faces off. I even went as far as say, maybe Vic Fangio uses Jalen Ramsey. Why not? I wondered that. I don't think he's. I, why not? Because I, 
I don't think that that will work. Fair I think enough. Kelsey's too big and too strong in the seams. That that I think Holland is the right play. I agree. Or I'll listen to you. Uh, either way, Holland. Plus, and if Xavier. you get the ball, if you get the ball to Travis Kelsey, you know, through the coverage of Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey going to be able to tackle Travis Kelsey. Oh, you might know more about this. I thought Ramsey was a pretty good tackler. Yeah, of wide receivers. Oh, all right, fair enough. Yeah, not of Travis Kelsey. No, no, no. Of course. I mean, You're- again. Pat Mahomes could light this secondary up or light this team up and, and Travis Kelsey could kill it and we could have egg on our faces. But again, I just, I just feel it. I just feel like the dolphins are going to put out a good game. I really do. I think they're going to, I think they're going to bust their ass this week. I'm called. I, I called like a 30 to 20 win. So slightly under the 51 point total. All right, let's go to the Sunday 1 PM slate. Um, a game both you and I have action in. You are on the total, I believe. The Bucks at the Texans. Yeah. So, <laughs> well. Rule of Dan Z. Two rules of Dan Z here, and you're fading that. Okay, explain that. You you explain to me why I'm breaking my own rule here. Well, Bucks went under the total and looked like complete dog shit on offense due to the bills which is another point i didn't bring that up in our week in my week eight recap i got super unlucky unlucky at the cleveland browns i bet the bucks <laughs> i had no business winning that one so it's fair it's fair fair hey fair enough um but they looked like shit and texans were terrible against the panthers who are like the worst team um according to pretty much everyone right according to the record so i would right, think so you, you think- would fade that and like go over instead you're leaning to the under right or taking the yes under. and here's the thing i thought that too and when i looked at the total i was like oh that seems like a good under spot or, i mean i'm sorry a good over spot until you realize that these teams are like eight no to the under the last four weeks each so it's i mean at some point it's like when does it just become a trend and this you know it could happen where the atlanta falcons got me last week i had been hammering their unders and cashing them every week and this could be the week it flips but here's the thing you know I think CJ Stroud's hitting a little bit of a rookie wall which is to be expected five games in everyone was dubbing him is like oh my god the look at the mistake the Panthers made they could have had future Hall of Famer CJ Stroud and I was the one going like let's pump the brakes here it's been five games he's played well but you know come on it looks like you know Houston wants to establish the run even though their run game isn't very good they tried to do that last week. It didn't work out. But at the same time, Houston, I don't think they're going to need to score a lot of points in this game. Tampa Bay can't score at all. They're averaging 12 points in their last three games. Houston actually is averaging 17 points in their last three games. So even just if you just take that, they only combine to average 29 points over the last uh, three weeks. And I, don't, I guess the question is, I'm nervous about Houston's pass rate over expected last week because, again, the fact that they posted such a low pass rate over expected in a game that they lost is a bigger signal to me that that's not – like, how? why did that happen? And I, I think there is a little bit of a shift in strategy in their heads because I, I think, again, like I think Stroud's showing some signs. He's now put some games on tape, and I think defenses in the NFL have kind of – probably figured something out and now it's going to be up to him to then react to the reaction. And that's kind of how it goes. Um, 
So I'm just kind of on the idea right now that Houston's gonna is undergoing is going through a little bit of its offensive lull. Um, like I said, I think they are gonna try to to run the ball. The Bucks have only had one over all season, and that was in week two. Uh, Houston has two overs this season, and that was in week two and week three. So, yeah, I'm actually just really, as I started this podcast by saying, there's five totals that are under 40 points. This should be one of them. I actually don't understand why this game is at 40, and there's five other games that are underneath it that it should be right there with them. Well, let's quickly power rank this quarterback matchup versus the field. <laughs> it's actually one of the better quarterback matchups of the entire slate, right? I mean, you got you got Dak Hurts, you got Burrow, Allen, you got uh, Lamar, um, Lamar, Geno Smith, you got Tua, Tua um, Mahomes, and then you, then I think it's Baker. I think it's Baker and C.J. Stroud, right? Maybe. I mean, you, you, want, you think Howell and, and Mac Jones is a better quarterback matchup? Well, I am taking the over in that game. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> yeah, so maybe you do. How do you feel about Aiden O'Connell versus Daniel Jones? Okay, we'll get into all that. Um, all right. I get what you're saying, but I still think in this game with two teams that actually both have solid defenses, at least especially compared to their offenses. Uh, yeah, I just I, I see it as being sort of a, a low-scoring game. I mean, you know, neither team has a good run game. Like Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary are all stink. But these teams don't care. They just keep feeding Rashad White the ball. Because, you know, obviously I'm a big fantasy football guy. And all the analytics are like, Rashad White's role as far as fantasy football is elite. Like, he gets unbelievable volume and turns it into nothing and that's why everyone's been trying to jump on like tampa bay backups like oh sean tucker was a thought at one point because it was like rashad white stinks but this role is valuable because tampa bay is going to force feed running backs the ball no one has usurped rashad white because he's actually happens to be the most talented back on their roster which is a sad state of their roster but again i these teams want to get the ball in the hands of their running backs. They both have good defenses, and neither team really scores any points. So it might seem square, but that's where we're at. Yeah, no, whatever. Um, Baker Mayfield's uh, suggested he wants to throw out more. Todd Bowles and the offensive coordinator want to want to run the ball more. So to your point, yeah, they're just going to keep giving Rashad White the football, having him run directly into the defensive line of Houston. Like, eh. What he does. Baker, it's third and eight. Damian Help Pierce us out here. Too. Yeah. Um, so my thought on Houston stinker last week against uh, against the Panthers is maybe they were just kind of sucking their own cocks in their week seven bye and just thought to themselves, like, hey, if we go with a dull stale game plan, the Panthers suck enough that they'll give us the game. And I do think, like, Bobby Slovic, well, they, the offensive they coordinator. They did still almost win that game, and that's right. the other thing. Like, I mean, Miles Sanders almost got in the way of a pass and cost his team the game. Thankfully, he didn't. But, I mean, they're a fourth down conversion. There. Like, Panthers had a few things go right at the end in order to win that game. So, I mean, it was a stinker in that they lost, but the line wasn't very high, and they ended up losing by two. Like, it kind of played out the way the market said it was going to play out with the wrong team winning, of course, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I it should have been a Houston one-point win. Yeah. I can look at the noise-canceled or the noise-removed score. I have to search around for that, but, 
yeah, from an efficiency standpoint, I believe the Texans were the better team. I'm taking the Texans. I'm laying the two and a half. Um, I think they have the better quarterback and they have the better coach. They could even have the better defense. I like some of the vets they have on that defense, although Tampa Bay does have good defense. But Tampa Bay's week eight cover was complete horseshit. Uh, I benefited from it. Thank God I uh, needed that win. But they scored um, a touchdown to pull within 24-18. It was a 10-minute, 17-play, 92-yard touchdown with two fourth-down drive-extending penalties. The, the, the touchdown that was scored was thrown off the Buffalo Bills or hit the Buffalo Bills cornerback's helmet before it went right into Mike Evans' chest. It was the luckiest shit I've ever seen, and I'm completely throwing that out. You could say, well, you know, they have extended rest. Okay, I don't think that highly of this offensive staff to really have that matter that much. And I do think we're getting some value on Houston because Rule of Dan Z, they played like shit last week against the Panthers in a kind of inexplicable game. I think it was a one-off. Maybe I'm wrong. I think they're going to be airing it out a little bit more. That's my kind of concern with your with your play in the under. But I have really nothing on the total outside of that. I just think the tech the Texans are going to have a bounce back game and and uh, and, and and cover the spread here. Well, if you look at the big key last week, as far as like noise is concerned, you mentioned you know how much of it was noise. I'm looking right now. Yeah, the Texans uh, they were heavily penalized against the Steelers in one, but the Texans, at least in the last few games, hadn't been a heavily penalized team, and they were out penalized like they out penalized Carolina by a lot. Houston had 10 penalties for 70 yards. Carolina had three for 20. That's a pretty big difference. That's half a football field in penalty difference. Plus one turnover to zero turnovers. Carolina didn't turn the ball over, which is fascinating. What did you say the score? You thought the right score should have been? Oh, never mind. I'm, 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 anyways, uh, PFF does noise-canceled score. This guy, Timo um, Risk, and he had the Panthers winning 18-17. to 17. So Yeah, the Panthers winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to your point, I mean, it was just a toss-up game. Right, which is what the spread said it was going to be the line. Well, yeah. Houston was minus three and a half, so. Oh, a close. I had, I had Houston winning by one just because that's what should have happened if they didn't totally make a mess in their pants <laughs> and allow the Panthers to get back in it there at the end. But anyway. Anyway, indeed. Let's talk Plus about they the... missed a, they also missed a two-point conversion, too. Yeah. That yeah. Carolina field goal should have been to tie the game, not to win the game. I think they bounced back. I think they're going to win. Win by margin against the Bucks team who... I think Houston wins too. I just think... I don't I don't see... I, I'm looking at like a... I'll give my... I'll give a score prediction. 21-13. The total is 40. Yeah, that's 34 points. Well, based on the Dan Z model, there's more value in the Texans. Minus three. All Hammer right. it. <laughs> All right, let's go to the uh, Chicago Bears at the uh, New Orleans Saints. I have really no interest in this game, but you found a way to bet it. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to bet the Bears. I feel gross. I took a shower after I wrote this one. Um, it's really just about the line. Uh, you know, the old adage, bet numbers, not teams. This line went three points towards the Saints after last week, which 
I like I get it because the Bears looked terrible on in prime time, but at the same time, I, I just think it's it's a massive market overreaction. I don't think the Saints are really that good. They haven't beaten anybody this season. I mean, you could argue the Bears aren't anybody, and that's true. Um, they also have some bad losses. Like they've lost to the Bucks, they've lost to the Packers, the Texans. Like Saints haven't played anybody this season. And so I don't get all the love for New Orleans, and that's kind of where I'm at. I I figured you might be on New Orleans here because you always love New Orleans. I do. I'm not not betting them, but you're right about that. Yeah, again, I just think it's too big of a jump. Like, it was five and a half last week. It's eight and a half this week. It was two in the preseason. Like, it's six points off the the preseason. Um, I also think it's interesting that the Bears, who look like an obvious sell team, went out and got Montez Sweat. And their biggest weakness is that they can't rush the passer at all. They have 10 sacks, which is five less than like six or seven teams who are tied for second least amount. Um, And honestly, the Saints offensive line is bad. And I think with adding sweat into the mix, Bears might actually get some pressure on the quarterback for the first time. And Derek Carr does not handle that well. So, yeah, I I think the Bears can keep this within a touchdown for sure. I like the leanness of your handicap and just more or less fading the Saints as big favorites, and I don't hate that at all. I do think the the pro Saints people, I am kind of one of them, saw their offense get off the mat in the second half of that loss to the Jaguars and then pretty much just trample the Colts last week. So, um, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe people think the Saints are, are getting right on offense. That's the fade. Yeah, no, that's, I understand that. I don't buy. I don't buy it. I don't buy that. All of a sudden, they're now. We should expect that that's what's going to happen moving forward. No, I hear. I, I kind of like the Saints in a teaser leg, but I wouldn't lay it. Um, and it is rule of Dan Z. Bears just got embarrassed on Monday Night Football. Short week. Everyone's going to be on the Saints after them winning by double digits on the road. Um, but I, I, I don't want anything to do with this game because I do. Was think- it? It was Sunday night. It's not a short week. Didn't they play on Sunday night football? What did I just say? Monday? Yeah, and then a short week. Yeah, no, I, I am wrong. It was Sunday. Excuse me. Either way, st- not a short week, but still a primetime embarrassing uh, loss. So, still kind of rule of Dan Z. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yep. All right. Seahawks at the Ravens. I am uh, going back to the Ravens. This is one of my favorite teams in the NFL right now. They, I feel like this is going to be similar to the Lions-Ravens, where the Lions just got smoked. <laughs> I, think, I think the Ravens put it on the, Saint, uh, the Seahawks this week. Geno Smith, once he gets off of the script in the first, I don't know, quarter, turns to complete shit. The Seattle Seahawks are awful on third down and awful in the red zone. And I put a lot of that on him and some of that on Pete Carroll as well. John Harbaugh and the Ravens, nasty on third down, nasty in the red zone. And I think 
that discrepancy is going to be a huge, huge factor in this game. And that's just if I don't think you want to be bad on third down or in the red zone against a John Harbaugh coach team. Um, that's the the meat of my handicap. Um, and I just think, you know, both teams have played a, a cupcake schedule, but Baltimore is better than pretty much every metric. Um, and Seattle's offense has actually been underwhelming lately. Only 21st in EPA, and they've only scored 20 points per game since week four, whereas Baltimore is seventh in EPA over that span. And looks like their passing game is starting to become what a lot of people thought it could um, in the preseason. I am much higher on Lamar Jackson, I'm much more of a Lamar Jackson fan than, than you are. Um, I, I think he's legit MVP can, contender. And I actually just like watching him play. I really do. So. I'm not that. I'm not anti Lamar Jackson. What I, I I'm anti the narrative around Lamar Jackson. Like I, I've written many times that the Ravens were, were absolutely better with Lamar Jackson than letting him. The problem is giving him a five. Like he's not going to have. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer because he's not going to play long enough. He's not going to play healthy enough, long enough, and he's struggled in the playoffs. But that doesn't mean he's not absolutely super fun to watch and like kind of a cool dude. I wrote about him yesterday when someone asked him because his record as a starter in the NFL against NFC teams is 16 and one. And so they're obviously playing an NFC team this week. And a reporter like started asking him about it. And he like lost his mind. And He's like, nah, man, don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. <laughs> the jinx. Like, it's funny. Yeah. Like it's funny. You know, he has a good person. Like, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't dislike Lamar Jackson on a game by game basis. And if he's healthy going into a football game, I think he always has a chance to have a great game. I just I don't think he's as good a passer as people want us to believe, and I don't think he can stay healthy uh, long enough. And I and I and I think his game doesn't translate well in the playoffs. But on just a very micro level of game by game, like yeah, he could absolutely go off in this game, and and probably should. You brought up an interesting point that I was thinking about, which is the gap between the AFC and the NFC. I think when the 49ers were smacking teams a couple weeks ago, people were like, ah, there's not that big of a gap between the AFC and the NFC. And now that the 49ers have lost, I think, three in a row, or have lost a few games in a row here, three in a row, yeah, and the Ravens just destroying the Lions, I think people are kind of remembering what we all felt going into the season, which is the AFC is the much better conference. And like you just said, what was the record? 16-1 and Lamar against the NFC? Yes. At at that number, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> no. And honestly, look at look look at San Francisco. Two of those three losses came to AFC teams. Yeah. One was PJ Walker. Sadly. And they play Jacksonville uh in two weeks, which is gonna be a really interesting matchup. I love Jacksonville right now. They are balling. You're not a fan? Fade. I'm fading them so freaking hard. Well are you gonna take the Niners or are you just generally speaking? Both. Why? Which? Yeah. Uh, they're not even playing this week. But what do you? Why? Why? Why you say that? I don't think they're that good. You think it's smoke and mirrors? I, I I'm trying to make myself right, which is just such a such a bad idea. Oh, you're doing this for content. Well, no, I faded them in the preseason, so now I'm trying to convince myself that I wasn't wrong. Oh. And that this is, See, this is one of my strengths, and I think this is your weakness. Like, I do not get tied to my opinion. Like, I'm willing to ditch it 
quickly if if I if I see stuff that that I don't like. I mean, what have they done though? They beat the Falcons. They beat the Bills in the London game that we talked about with a huge travel advantage. They beat the Colts who stink. They beat the Saints who I think stink. And they beat the Steelers, who are okay. Like, they don't have any great wins either. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Texans. They've beaten the Colts twice. Like, I, what have they done? What have they done? Well, they won a playoff game last year. I think they have a top 5 to 10 quarterback in the NFL. I'm, I'm a believer in their defense, but you, your pushback could be who have they played, and that's fair. They did show up against the Chiefs, but Chiefs' first game with Kelsey and their offense is hit or miss. nine points. No, I'm saying the defense showed up against the Chiefs. Yeah, but even that, it's like, I mean, Chiefs scored nine points against the Broncos, who have the worst defense arguably ever. Well, we'll see next week. Maybe we can go oppo in a Jaguars game. You said they got the, the Niners. I will absolutely be back in the Niners next week. Like we can, we can mark, we can write that one down right now. Perfect. We'll take. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take whatever the the number is when it opens. Um, moving along. It should be open now, no? Nah, the look ahead. You don't... Actually, neither team plays, right? They don't play, so... So, yeah, I mean, if you have the, if you can pull up the look ahead, I'll take it now. Uh, I don't see it, but... Oh, wait, maybe... It, oh, yeah, we do. It's uh, San Francisco minus two and a half. At home? On the road. <laughs> Dags are home dogs. Yes, I love it. I love it. All right, cool. All, All right, right. <laughs> Uh, next game, Vikings at the Falcons. You said you're hell bent on on um, taking Falcons under. That, that's what's going on here, right? Yeah, they burned me last week, but I'm not going to just back off a trend that's been super profitable all season because of one game. Not worried um, about Taylor Heineke? No, looked it up. He's 15-9-1 uh, in his career to the under. So he's actually been an under quarterback in his starting career. So I like see that look on your face. Bet you didn't expect that stat to be at the ready. Um, might impressed. also shock people that even with Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are the heaviest under team in the NFL. Well, it's tied with the Giants, but both teams are one and uh, seven and one to the under this season. So if they couldn't score points with Kirk Cousins. Uh, how are they going to do it with Jaron Hall? No Justin Jefferson. Again, Taylor Heineke takes over, but I don't think that changes much for Atlanta. If Arthur Smith thought Taylor Heineke was better than Desmond Ritter. At the beginning of the season, he would have started. He gave Ritter eight games, presumably because Heineke might now be just a little like I. I, I people are making a big deal out of this, but the reason Ritter's leash was so long is because like I don't think they think Taylor Heineke's way better than Desmond Ritter. He would have been starting way sooner. So my thing is, this profiles is a game between two teams that are going to try to take their pressure off their bad quarterbacks. Arthur Smith, we already know, well documented history trying to run the ball. I don't think putting in Taylor Heineke uh, changes anything. Oh, he's an established yes. the run guy for sure. He definitely is. Me and too, he- again, I-, I don't think Heineke changes anything. And then, like the fa- the reason the Falcons game went over last week and that they had to pass the ball was because they just kept giving up bombs to Will Levis. And I think they hopefully they learn from that. Or like, look, if we're facing a rookie quarterback making his first career start, this is the second week in a row they're facing a rookie quarterback making his first career start. Let's make this guy complete ten and twelve yard passes five of them to beat to to score a touchdown like these one pass one sort of lucky deep ball 70 yards like we can't let this happen so i think they're going to be guarding against that they're going to try to keep the ball in front of them and make jaron hall uh complete far more passes in that mid-range 
Falcons are four-point favorites. When you're going through your analysis, you just kind of indirectly pushed me towards the Vikings. So they traded for Josh Dobbs. I don't. I doubt Josh Dobbs plays this week, He's right? Not. He's not. It's going to be Jaron Hall. Said Hall's going to start. Okay. But they won that game last week, despite Kirk Cousins leaving with an injury. And they're 4-4. Four and four. And I said preseason that I'm, I'm a huge Brian Flores fan, and I think this defense will be trending up or will get good eventually. And they've played pretty well this year. I think they're going to continue to get better. And I think the Vikings front office trading for Dobbs is going to like motivate the locker room. It's like, hey, at least we're trying. At least we're trying. And like the NFC is terrible. The Vikings are they might be currently the wild card. I'm not even sure. Are, are they? they? Do are. you know that? They are, right? They are. So, like, they could still get in. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And I wrote about this, though, because people are like, every time a quarterback gets hurt, people, everyone just starts suggesting every backup quarterback. And the one I heard the most was like, go get Jameis Winston. It's like, but the Saints have, like, people don't understand. Teams don't want to just give away their backup quarterback. They have a backup quarterback for a reason, because this <laughs> shit happens. Why would the Saints give up Jameis Winston for, like, in order for the Saints to be willing to give up, because Derek Carr's already been hurt this year. If he gets hurt, they want to be able to turn to Jameis Winston, who they think they could probably still win that division with Jameis Winston starting. So the argument was like, go get Jameis Winston. He would be the perfect quarterback in Minnesota. I'm like, I agree. But New Orleans has no, absolutely no reason to give him up unless the Vikings were to offer, like, what, a second-round pick, maybe a third. And you're not offering a third-round pick for Jameis Winston. So, you know, the Vikings are looking to acquire a quarterback to get them through this season and willing to offer like a fifth round pick. And the saints are like, is it worth a fifth round pick to give up our backup quarterback? No, especially to a team that actually is tied with us in the NFC for a playoff spot right now. And that's true of most teams. Like that's why they had to go get Josh Dobbs. It's like, you need a guy who's third string or worse because teams don't want to give up their backup quarterback. No one is betting the Vikings this week. Am I going to have money in the Minnesota Vikings? I did that. That's I started my analysis on this game going. Well, I'm taking the Vikings plus the points here. So I started my, um, but I bailed on it. I look at every game, obviously, and it was Falcons all the the way for me. It was like Falcons, Falcons, and I couldn't even. I wasn't even thinking about the Vikings, and just hearing. I don't know something you said just kind of made me think. You know what? His defense is getting better. Who the F is Taylor, Taylor Taylor Heineke? They drafted a running back they hardly even use. Falcons don't they don't have their shit buttoned up. Vikings can cover this number. And Drake London's hurt. And Drake London's hurt. And Grady Jarrett, one of the best, most underrated defensive players in the NFL, is on the IR. Oh baby. Let's go with the Vikings. Going with the Vikings. All right. Next game, me and you both have action on. Um, the Commanders at the Patriots. I kind of recently had an epiphany on the side here. I'm on the – I'm going to take the Commanders. I think me and my brother are going to put that in our Circa Million entry as one of the five picks. Uh, you have a play on the total, though. What, what, do you, uh, what do you like in this game? Yeah. Um, I like the over, surprisingly. That might – for me, this seems pretty obvious that people are going to look at the quarterback matchup and just look at these two teams and go, these are under teams. Um, but they're actually not. The Patriots are slightly an under team, three and five. But here's how the Patriots totals have worked this season. When they score 20 points, they hit the over. They score less than 20 points, they hit the under. 
The Commanders just traded half their defensive line, and they already have a below-average defense. Their defense isn't going to get better by trading away Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Um, the Patriots' offensive line isn't great, but they're facing now a depleted Commanders' front, which means I think Mac Jones is going to have time to throw. I think the same thing on the other side. The Patriots' defensive line isn't very good. So even though you have two pretty bad, at least below-average quarterbacks, I think both are going to have time to throw, and even bad quarterbacks in the NFL usually with time to throw uh, can get the ball down the field, which I think they'll be able to do here. So I think this is just going to be a slightly higher scoring game than people realize, so I went with the over. I actually think Sam Howell with time to throw is a good quarterback, especially in that system, because Terry McLaurin is a baller. Jahan Dotson's good. That guy, that kid B-Rob, the running back, he could play a little bit. I like his game. Um, Curtis Samuel's good. Like I, I like Washington's offense. I'm, I'm actually, um, I, I do, I do like your look for the under or the over here, and I think the them selling Montez Sweat and Chase Young has caused too much of an overreaction from the public or maybe the talking heads. Like Montez Sweat, his most sacks in any year is eight and a half. He's played in six seasons. He's pretty good. He's he's not that good. He's not. Chase Young really never lived up to his um, top five pedigree, and maybe he gets right for the the, the Niners. Uh, hell, he's playing against or playing on the same line as just monsters. So it's a great situation for him. But I don't think the Washington loses that much. I still think the Patriots are one of the worst teams in the NFL, worse than the, the Commanders. I haven't power rated worse than the Commanders. And they just lost a, a, a wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne, for the season, which kind of hurts your your um, your overlook. But no, it doesn't. You don't think so? No, it's Kendrick Bourne. If Kendrick Bourne is the difference between this game going over, then I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> that's that's a good line. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to take the Commanders though, plus three, and uh, me and my brother are going to put that in the circa millions. Next game that I got action in the Colts. At the Panthers, this is a simple one. I'm, I just love the idea of fading Gardner Minshew, especially as a road favorite. He went from home underdog to a— I know you love this. It's then, one of your favorite. I, I do believe this is your favorite, like, what do you call him? It's a rule of Jeff Clark. Well, <laughs> it's a rule that other people follow, but what's the, like? what are they called? Like axioms, maybe? It's one of your favorite sports betting axioms is if you go from road— or sorry, home underdog to road favorite the, the following week, bet against. Yeah, and that has happened 17 times since last year. Teams in those spots are 6-10-1 against the number. So, Gardner Minshew. I like, the, I like Carolina here. Yeah, they looked like shit last week, but believe it or not, Gardner Minshew is the second, has the second lowest passing grade in the NFL. He's only um, ahead of P.J. Walker. He's beneath Desmond Ritter, well, obviously beneath Desmond Ritter and Bryce Young. Um, over the last four weeks, Bryce Young has a better EPA than Gardner Minshew. And again, these guys were road or home underdogs to a Saints team that was 3-4 and four last week. And they got rolled. And I think we got the Frank, uh, the Frank Reich revenge game. You know I love uh, a good revenge game. And yeah, there's just so many good ones in here for you. <laughs> yeah, there's. I got all my axioms uh, hitting in this in this uh, game. But yeah, I don't have much to add outside of fading Gardner Minshew as a home 
or as a road favorite. And I do think Carolina is going to put together some wins. And granted, some of that is because if it's an easy, they have an easy schedule. This is one of the easier games on their schedule. And I like the Panthers as a possible NFC South winner coming into the season. And I bet the all under on the Colts win total. So I'm taking, I'm getting the points with what I ultimately think will be a better team this year. Want to go to your next game? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I don't have it. Like, this is one of those games where oh, I'm going to have to watch it, though. Christ. Why? Fantasy? No, because it's on at 4 o'clock. There's only three games at 4 o'clock, which means I'm going to have a lot of attention on this stupid game that I don't care about. It's annoying. <sighs> I'm not going to really be able to watch anything because I will be at the Giants-Raiders game, actually. Got field passes, dude. Really? Yeah. Well, my buddy got, got them, but... I'm gonna That's be pretty uh, sweet. You're going to Vegas? Yeah. You driving? No. I'm taking a flight, dude. Really? Yeah. A long from Long Beach to Vegas round trip, I think is 180 bucks. It's a forty five okay. minute flight. I Fair live enough. ten minutes from the airport. Long Beach Airport. This is a little hack for all you people that are flying into Southern California. Do Long Beach instead of LAX. LAX is Satan's asshole. Long Beach is just the greatest airport probably in America. Um, this is a perfect segue because uh, I'm on the Giants over the Raiders. Um, I know this seems like a super square play, like the Raiders just fired everybody and benched their quarterback. But, like, I was looking at the betting splits. People are still on the Raiders. Like, there's just such a hatred around the Giants that the Raiders coming off of firing their coach, GM, and benching their quarterback are favored in this game. I don't think the Raiders should be favored over anyone right now. Um, and I think... A lot of this is because of what happened last week, which is the Giants. As bad as the Raiders looked, the Giants look worse. And I think people are kind of doing the addition by subtraction math that, like, maybe the Raiders will be better because they don't have Josh McDaniels anymore, which is possible. Uh, However, I think switched, it is. Yeah. They switched to a def- but they switched to a defensive head coach who has no experience, and now they're going to start a rookie in his second ever start. The Giants should have won last week. Like, Brian Dable made – some of the worst coaching decisions I have ever seen in my entire life watching the NFL. Kicking that field goal on fourth down was... I, I, it's I can't unlike even fathom him. an NFL coach making that decision. It's unlike I, him. I, honestly, I don't understand why he did it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. But the Giants should have won that football game, and they passed for negative nine yards. Yeah. Now, let's just envision a world where this week they pass for positive yards. I know it's tough. I know it's hard to envision a world Dan where Jones the Giants actually there? gain yardage. I don't think, like, I think Jones, I think he's going to play well this week. I really do. I might even use him in DFS as, like, just a total off-the-board play that he just comes out. Like, I don't believe in the Raiders' defense. They have one star player, but otherwise their defense isn't great. I don't know, man. I, I, I'll I like give the Giants credit. a lot. I like the Giants a lot this week, actually. That's fair. I'll, give him, I'll bet the Giants because... I'm going to be there, and I have to. Um, but I'll give the Raiders credit. They got they were getting punched in the mouth on all of Monday Night Football by the Lions, and that defense like kept fighting, <laughs> hung around. Like they 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 tried at least. They didn't. They never uh, laid down. But I agree with you. They're not very good. Dan Jones. Um, 
hopefully he gets back to his 2022 Also, this is a strength effort. on weakness here where Ooh. the Raiders' run defense is horrible and Saquon Barkley should be able to eat. And Daniel Jones is absolutely at his best when the uh, defense has to respect Saquon Barkley, which the Raiders are going to have to do. So I think there's going to be a lot of play action in this game. I think this game is going to be a lot more like the uh, Josh Allen, Brian Dable days. I think Daniel Jones is going to run the ball. I think Saquon Barkley is going to run the ball. It's going to open up the passing game downfield. I think Darren Waller revenge game here. Um, he could be in play for a nice, nice day. Uh, yeah, I and look at the like. I just don't think the Giants are nearly as bad as people think they are. Their losses they came are. against the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, and the Bills. And the Jets, they haven't lost to a team with a losing record this year. Both their wins came against teams with losing records. All their losses have come against teams with winning records. I just don't think Vegas should be favored right now. I think Giants are a better team. And, uh, yeah, I'll take, a, I'll take a couple of points. That's that's fair. <laughs> What's funny is how the Giants handled Daniel Jones, where it was like, they kept pressing Dable about it last week. Um, and he was like, well, we're going to, he kept saying the same thing. We'll see what the injury report says. We'll see how he progresses. We'll see how he progresses. Right. And then Tyrod Taylor gets injured. And he's like, no, he's good. He's good. It's like, you think he, there was a little, I don't, hanky I, there? I don't think he was injured. I don't. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I you also, you think about it like, like was Desmond Ritter. Did he get concussed? Did he? Did, it was a concussion that he got him benched. Really? They sent him to the blue medical tent. He cleared. They couldn't even lie about him clearing. He cleared. And then he didn't go back in. You know why? Because they, they used the concussion, just the, the idea of but it. they didn't really, though. Because, again, all this reporting is out there. Like, if you clear a concussion protocol, we know about it. So I don't think yeah. that had anything to do with it. Well, I think they pulled him out of the game because, like, well, you look a little concussed. No. And then they didn't put him back in because he sucks. No. Okay. I just think you're like you're adding two things together that just don't don't need to be added together. Fair enough. Arthur Smith wanted to bench Desmond Ritter, and he did. It had nothing to do with concussion protocol or anything else. He cleared concussion protocol. It was like that's why the broadcast kept saying it. Yeah, like, Desmond can... Ritter is on the bench. He went into concussion protocol, but he cleared. So Arthur Smith has decided to bench him. It's like, yeah, we know we got it. That's fair. No, but I'm saying what originally got him out of the game. They put him in the blue medical tent to kind of like, I think shield the idea of like, this kid sucks and we're benching him, even though ultimately that's what they came out and said. Yeah. I, I again, I, I think that stuff's massively overrated. These are professionals who are making money, man. They have feelings. <laughs> they do. We, yeah, well, and the best ones ignore them. So there you go. Yeah, if you and, can't handle it. And Desmond Ritter's on not you. one of the best ones. Right. So that's on you. So we've we've learned even more. In fact, if you go and pout because you get benched, like we've learned even more about you. Great. That's even more information. Speaking of which, you saw my boy Tannehill not pouting. I mean, he didn't get oh, benched, dude. but he's uh, he, well, no, he's actually hurt. Yeah. Anyways. Sunday That's going to be a really interesting conversation next week. Uh, I actually don't think it will because I think yeah. Levis is going to get his ass beat tonight and then it's going to be like, yeah, Tannehill's our starter. Oh, okay. Yeah, it could go that way. Or I think Levis, is. there's a good chance that he's just going to get the keys. Like Tannehill. I think tonight's game matters a lot. I guess, yeah, if he gets completely embarrassed. But like Tannehill looked comfortable. Like we know, we, we know what's up with Tannehill. He's going to have a job in the NFL 
for the next 20, 30 years. Like he knows, you know what I mean? Like he's going to be a coach. He just, he just has that whole aura to him. And that was his first coaching gig. So do you think he's just done? I think he's going to handle his benching like a pro and like understand what's going on here. Yeah. And I don't actually, and I, I wrote about this. Like if they do end up going to Levis, I don't know that that's a bad thing for Tannehill. Like he's been banged up the last two years. Like, this Tennessee Titans offensive line is bad. Like, he's not going to have much success. They don't have a ton of weapons on offense. It's like, I think he'd be better off just kind of like, dude, I need – I can just rest up for next year. Get this ankle healthy. <laughs> Clearly, the it's the same ankle. Like, he keeps hurting it. It's like, maybe some time off of it, man. And he's going to have a job next year. I mean, you, you just talked about the quarterback matchups in the NFL. You think Ryan Tannehill's not better than – he, there's not he's not one of the 32 best starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, for like, sure. I can tell you that he is. He for sure is. And someone's going to get yeah. injured next year, and they're going to offer a third pick, third round pick for him, and the Titans will say I don't yes. think it's. I don't think it would be the worst thing if he didn't play again. But I don't know if Levis really struggles tonight, which I think is a actually a really high possibility. I'm I'm worried about Willie L tonight. Yeah, and the Titans by not trading. Derrick Henry or DeAndre Hopkins, like, hey, we still think we can get somewhere this year. So, but they can't because goddamn Jacksonville. Who you're fading? <laughs> um, the Sunday night football game: Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals. I'm gonna lay the two and a half. Um. Let me go to my notes here. They're trending up. Second best success rate since week four, only behind San Francisco, who they just absolutely pecker smacked last week. And if Burrow and the Bengals are back, then we're getting a great price. From November on, since 2021, Bengals are 13-4 and four straight up and 13-4 and four against the spread. Like, we talked about this in the beginning of the season – especially with Burrow nursing his calf injury. It's like, you know, he's probably going to be off to a sluggish start. Same thing as last year. Then they'll get it going. I believe that's what's happening. Buffalo's defense is injured past the point of return, in my opinion. Now, they just got Rasul Douglas. Is that how you say it? Rasul. Rasul Douglas. Sorry. Um, which yeah, is trying to replace Tredavious White. He could play a little bit. He's not bad. I don't. I don't. I don't hate his game. But he's not Tre'Davious White, but it definitely he's better than the a, backup for Tre'Davious White. It's a band aid. It's good. Um, but no, Matt Milano. I'm still a believer in Buffalo, man. Like I, I still am. I'm not. I'm not ready to jump off. I'm sorry. Who did you pick to make the Super Bowl this year? Bengals. So, but aren't you? Have you flopped? Have you? Have you flipped on that? Do you think the Bills are better than them? No, I'm just saying I think people are are I think the Bills right now are underrated. I think they're getting buried prematurely is what I'm trying to get at. Since their London trip where they lost Matt Milano and Trey White, they're two and two straight up and 0 and four against the spread. Josh Allen is clearly dealing with an injury as well. I think we're getting a Bengals team that's trending up. Their defense has definitely taken a step back, but the one thing that they kept is all those defensive linemen who just destroyed Buffalo last year in the playoffs. I think the Bengals get them. Any other parting thoughts? We got to get over to Scott uh, Martin here with that chucklehead. Thanks. 
I'm not going to bet this game because I just – it's one of those games where, like, I just want to watch it. And I actually don't want to have a rooting interest. I just want to watch and enjoy some good football. Um, same thing. I Am I right? The Monday night game this week is good too? Nope. Uh, Chargers at Jets. It's not bad. No, it's terrible. Okay, sorry. Um, I want to back the Chargers in that game so bad, but I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm gonna wake up Monday morning and know I have to produce content, and I'm gonna talk myself into something there. And you guys listening should fade me. Should I mean, how me. are the Chargers only three and a half point favorites against the Jets? How? How is that possible? Chargers are so much better than the Jets. Are they? Uh, yes. I don't know. They are. Wow. <laughs> They are, dude. They well, just... if you talk yourself into the if you talk yourself into the Jets, I'll take it. No, I'm not doing that here. I gotta go, <laughs> we gotta talk to Scott Martin. I gotta talk to Scott Martin. I don't have time to go back and forth on a game and talk myself into losing more money. I have enough money that I'm already gonna <laughs> part ways with this weekend. Um, all right, dude. Well, people can find you at Real Dan Zach on X, giving out picks, breaking down. Harvard campus situation. What else you been talking about? Mostly that. Mostly that. Exciting. Well, all right. Follow Dan Z at Real Dan Zach. Now we're going to get over to Barking Dogs with the homie Scott Martin. We're back with the Barking Dogs segment of the week with Scott Martin, a.k.a. Scotty Markets. Scott, last week you stepped up majorly for me and did the full podcast, battled through sickness. I sent you a purple heart. I was so impressed with your effort last week. How you feeling this week? Better. Um, up and down, man. I, I felt better before I uh, saw the picks that I made or saw the results, but we did okay last week. I mean, here and there, but better uh, health-wise, but it also goes to show you, man, even uh, in sickness and in health, we can still make our picks and we can still follow the mantra that we always follow when we look at barking dogs, we look at public money flows, we look at sentiment, and let's do it again this week, brother. Yeah, I have you marked down as three and four last week. Um, does that sound right? That sounds right. I think we talked about, there was a couple games I threw out there that I mentioned would be leans, which I, I ended up taking. But yes, I think three and four, roughly around 400 was, or 500 rather was right for, let's call it 475 on the percentage or 47% or 45%. But it was uh, one of those weeks too, man, where we had some opportunities to, I think, cash a couple more bets. But uh, because of, uh, I'd say, questionable coaching and maybe even some really strange refereeing, let's say, uh, I think those were maybe stolen from us if we put it that way. Absolutely. We were both on the bronze plus three and a half, and that was an absolutely god-awful beat. Ridiculous. And then see, and seemingly, one one thing I didn't mention when I was on the pod, because we were covering so much, was looking at the Bengals. You know, I mean, the Bengals went out to San Fran. That was one of the model picks uh, that, that I ran uh, that morning. And, like, you know, they went out there and just stomped the 49ers, which was great. But you're right. The, the Browns pick was our favorite one of the week, and that one was looking so darn good. And just got snatched away from us due to some uh, questionable quarterback play and, frankly, some questionable coaching, in my opinion. Yeah, the Bengals one is the one that hurt me the most because that's <laughs> a, game, a bet I didn't make. And as I was watching it, I was so pissed on how I didn't have money on the Bengals there. I'm sitting there. I remember during the week, I'm, 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 I'm 
I'm caught up in between are they playing Brock Purdy or are they playing Sam Darnold and what does that do to the line when it didn't effing matter? It didn't matter which one they were going to play. Joe Burrow went up and down the field in that defense and it was just a matter of Joe Burrow being back. It didn't matter who the 49ers started at quarterback. So I was kicking myself for not having that one. And those are ones where, you know, if you're looking at the, if you're leaning one way or if you're looking at, at certain things that we talk about throughout the pod, Jeff, whether it's fundamentals of a team, whether it's looking at, at public money, money flows and things, you have to know in your heart, or at least in your, in your head, that wherever that money is, and it may change a little bit, like you said, depending on who they're starting, who's out, who's questionable, who's, who's definitely out. But there is a basis to looking at that fade or looking at that 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 fade or follow when it comes to where that public money is, as we talked about in the Barking Dog segment, to where maybe it would have been a bigger play. But the reality is, is that the Bengals were a big one for me just because of the fact that the public was still pretty heavy by my metrics on the uh, 49ers because they liked who they were going to play, regardless if it was Purdy or anybody else. Dude, I eyeball everything, and I try – to do the best that I can without a model on balancing the stats and 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 the public exposure or the the sports market uh, the sports books exposure to these games, but I'm I'm actually like jealous of the fact that you already have these models ready to go because you can't you can't just fade the public you need to infuse some data and I feel like unless I have it in a spreadsheet or in like a just a model like you do one of the other will skew my perception. So you just having that, that, that one number, that one like go or, or stop um, is, is something that I wish that I had. Unfortunately, it, it I takes the emotion. It takes the, it takes the emotion out of it. It takes some time out of it. Frankly, um, it takes maybe a little bit of, of that additional analysis out of it when it comes yeah. to who's starting and who's not, or what the matchups are. But you know, man, at the end of the day or at the end of the weeks, I, I know I'm following that, that mantra, I'm following that procedure. I'm following that strategy. And I stick to it. Yeah, dude. And I got to do content. So like if I had a model and it just gave me the right answer, I don't even, I don't that I need more words to explain why I make the bet, you know? So I guess the model wouldn't help me with my career. It might just help me be a profitable better like yourself. I was just going to say, if it's profit though, man, Hey, can anybody argue with that? I don't know, man. I, I take a short answer that wins versus a long answer that goes 50, 50 or loses. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think my editor would say I want the long answer, which we can produce content out of. <laughs> but no, you know, you're. I want, the short, I want the short answer with the profit. So you know, we we <laughs> we, we we disagree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm more on your side of things. So yeah, last week three and four, but you still have a fifteen and thirteen record this season on outkick bets. So you're killing it. What do you got in the cooker for week nine? Oh, killing it, man. I appreciate the nice sentiment. I, I feel kind of, uh, I feel like I've been letting some folks down of late. We've had some ups and some downs and we've been volatile lately too, Jeff, which has been kind of a, I guess a little bit, I guess we should be expecting this. I mean, we should have some good weeks and we should have some bad weeks. I like to kind of keep things, you know, getting that kind of two out of three every week would be great. But so I think this is a great week. I think it's a great card. You know, it's funny about the, the week coming up here is that there's a lot of games that the, that the model likes that the kind of public fade, I think will come into play here. And there's a lot of games that have that, Again, who's starting, who's not starting, who's playing, who's not playing, what coaches are going to be there, as in the case of like the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm starting off with a game um, that is just feels horrible. I'm just going to say it. it. It feels like one of the worst picks of the year so far, as far as something that you would go up to the window and basically choke on your words. I'm taking Green Bay, man. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern game 
hosting the L.A. Rams. Jared, uh, not Jared Goff, of course, Ma- Ma- Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and company coming into Green Bay and actually, Jeff, getting three points in Green Bay. So Green Bay is favored by three, depending on your favorite book. And they are coming in off a terrible loss to the Vikings. Yes, they knocked out Kirk Cousins. Didn't really knock him out and knocked himself out. Looked horrible on offense. Didn't look good on defense. L.A. didn't look good in Dallas, that's for sure. But they have been better than, let's say, the Packers have been year-to-date and of recent uh, weeks. But this is one of those spreads, Jeff, that I think is is set up for the public to obviously hammer as they are the L.A. Rams. And the L.A. Rams here, I think, come in here and lose this game. I think the Packers' backs are against the wall. I think the Packers get some things together this week. They have to because Matt LaFleur's seat is getting a little hot. Certainly Jordan Love's seat is probably getting a little hot, too, as well as some of the other players on the offense. So I think this is one of those situations where the public is heavy on the Rams. It looks too easy. We've talked about these easy bets. We've talked about these weird spreads. This is definitely one of them, Green Bay minus three. Yeah, the bottom of the NFC is pretty garbage. So the seventh seed is definitely attainable for the the Packers to make the playoffs. And one of the people or one of the teams that they're going to be vying for playoff contention with is the Los Angeles Rams. So the way that these two teams are probably looking at this is this is a playoff game in November. And um, exactly, and it's a setup, and it's a good, it's a good matchup too. If you think about kind of where each team is, like you said, and where they're looking to go, and what needs to happen from here. I mean, you've got the Rams coming in at three and five, two and two, basically. There, I mean, you've got effectively, you know, you get two matchups here. You got a matchup the way I look at it. You got Stafford versus Love as far as the quarterback position, and then you've got the receivers because you have the the Rams receivers with Cup being kind of bolstering that that squad, but then you also have. Uh, the the Green Bay team, at least the Green Bay receivers and, and that team of receivers really needs to start stepping up for Jordan Love. They've been dropping balls all over the field. I was at the game last week with the Vikings coming into town and just blowing them out, pretty much dominating that game left and right. And and, and Love hasn't been terrible. He hasn't been great. But it's one of these such situations or setups here where Green Bay can step up at home and get the home crowd behind them. You can actually get those receivers catching the ball and actually play some defense. And I think the Green Bay Packers can take this one. Well, it could be easier for them to play defense if Matt Stafford misses this game. He's didn't Very question true. or he didn't practice Wednesday. He's iffy, according to Sean McVay, to play this Sunday. I don't think he's going to play. The only question is, or another question is, how much better is Jordan Love than Brett Rippon, the 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 Rams' backup quarterback? But if it, if it was Mark Rippon, I'd be I'd be definitely on Mark <laughs> Rippon's side, and that's the thing too, man. It's like. You know, I've heard that Stafford, just from some sources I have, that he actually may play. So they're going to try to get him to go uh, and warm ups and see if he can do it because they know, to your point, they know they need this game. So it's one of these setups where you've got that matchup. Let's say it is Love versus Stafford or Love versus Rippon, where Love can probably win that matchup, I believe. It's certainly against Rippon and maybe even against Stafford if he is a little gimpy. So this is too reflected in that spread, man. I mean, if you look at the public betting so far, they're going up to the windows. They're going online and saying, goodness gracious, if I can get plus three on the Rams, which is probably reflective of Rippon likely stepping in there, I think that's still a, a sucker bet and something that I would not advise doing, and I would take the Packers here to cover. I actually think it's a, a, it's a in-between line. If Matt Stafford's officially announced out, I think it's up to three and a half, four. If he's announced in, it's one and a half. So that brings me to, I guess, my final question for you about this game we have to grade it at what you give out during the podcast. But for the listeners, would you recommend waiting until the official announcement is made or moving on the Packers now? Because you said your sources seem to indicate that he might play. So you might be able to get a cheaper number if you wait. 
That's what I was thinking. And and I like the side either way, Jeff. So what I probably would do is if you're seeing three right now, it might not be worth it might might not be a bad idea. It might be worth taking a look at some of the books wherever you're playing your bets and see if you can get it down to two and a half and how much that would cost you. Usually you go from three to two and a half. It costs you quite a bit to buy that extra half. Yeah. But I do think that you're right. If if Stafford does go, you're gonna get a point probably out of it the other direction. So it could get cheaper. But I still like the side, Jeff. I still like the fact that Green Bay, I think, covers this one easy. Not easy, maybe easy peasy, like by 12. But I think they cover this one by six or seven. So if you have to get the three and you need to take the three right now, I would take it. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I think you're adopting a stinky, flea-ridden dog here. But that's how you make money in the NFL. I have no action on this game. I don't want any action on this game. But your next bet, actually your next two bets, I might end up – having some action on. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers hosting the Indianapolis Colts. What do you like in this one again? The upstart Carolina Panthers are my pick this week, Jeff. Uh, coming it. off their first their first win of the year, you know, building momentum, I guess, is what I hear in Carolina. It, it just may be getting a feel for what the offense was was designed to be. Uh, Frank Reich and company, kind of what they what they what they wanted, I believe, out of the offense kind of came together. And look, they're still one and six. Colts are three and five. Colts have hit some bumps in the road, as we know, over the course of time here this week or this year, rather. Minshew's come in for Richardson and so forth. Um, Jonathan Taylor was obviously out for most of the season, and now he's back. But look, this is a setup where you have the massive amount of public uh, batters who are looking at the Colts coming into the Panthers' uh, home. And in fact, the, the Panthers are hosting the Colts here. And they're looking at the Panthers basically getting lucky, let's say, last week and still being a bad team, which they are. But the Colts aren't much better. And so if you look at just where the kind of the, 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 the spread is, the Panthers are getting that, that home dog bet. They're plus two and a half. And the, the Panthers, if you look at the metrics, Jeff, aren't really that much different or that much worse than, say, the Colts. And it's a, a feature of the fact that the public believes that the Colts come in here with a little bit more to gain, which they do. They've got a little bit better record. They've had a little bit better of an offensive prowess this year. The defenses are pretty similar. So it's just I like the fact that the Panthers have some momentum to build on. They have the home uh, field advantage, and they also have a few points here, two and a half, three, depending on where you're going, to kind of take this one and keep it very close and possibly win it. But, hey, this could be a one- or two-point game, and you're still going to cash it getting the plus points at home with the Panthers. Yeah, dude, you got agreement for me on this one. I'm also on the Panthers. I think I'm going to use it in my Circa Millions picks. Um, I just love the idea of fading Gardner Minshew as a road favorite. Last week, he was a home underdog against the Saints. I think you and I were both in the Saints, no? We were. We were, and we covered that one very easily. Yeah, I think that was a 38-27 victory for the Saints, if I can remember correctly. And they dominated him, actually. That was a dominating performance, too. The Saints were not in any trouble in that game, except maybe in the first quarter. (laughs) Dude, I went 3-1-1 last week. My three winners were rocking chair covers for the most part my chop new york giants both of us were on that was unreal unreal it was just giants being cursed. and then we already talked about how terrible of a beat the browns plus three and a half were um so yeah the saints was, was an easy cover and they breezed past the colts last week and they were a three and four team so the Colts going from home underdogs to road favorites, it's too much of the Carolina Panthers are bad, the, the, they, they were 0-6, they didn't look that good in their one win against the Texans, and 
they're I think the market is just stuck on the idea of the Colts getting that lucky win over the Ravens and trouncing a Texans team who also had a rookie quarterback. But over the last four games, Gardner Minshew has actually been worse than Bryce Young. And PFF has Gardner Minshew as like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL so far this season. Again, whenever he does something good, I look at it as just dumb luck. Like he's just he's just pulling rabbits out of his ass. Like I I I'm so on board with fading this dude as a road. And, and based on and based on the way that Gardner Minshew celebrates too, Jeff, when he does do something that's appropriate for him or that is appropriate of a, of a of a football play, let's say he does go nuts and he gets really excited. So he almost realizes too that I think he's getting lucky or that he's like fortunate that something good happened for himself. And here's the other quick thing too about the Colts versus the Panthers. Both teams look very very similar to me on paper, both in fundamental, both in stats both in kind of how the team is made up as far as what kind of the team relies upon to, to, to get down the field, both on offense and defense, to get off the field, let's say, on defense. And and if, if you just, like you said, look at the last three games of, of the play of each team, this one favors the Panthers, man. And the fact that we're getting two and a half points here at home, maybe three if it does move to that, or maybe you buy it up to three just to cover that late, late second field goal or last second field goal, I think this is a good one for the Panthers and a good spot for them to cover this one and actually win, too, win outright. Yeah, I'm seeing more money or uh, more actions on the Colts. Yet that line's not getting up to plus three. Why is that? I think the Colts are. Well, I think the big, Panthers are the right side here. I do too. And, I, and it started out. It opened at plus three and went down to plus two and a half. And it probably could go back up to plus three. So I'm I'm advising just our listeners to keep an eye on that spread because if you can get three without having to buy it, that's great. But anything over two, two and a half, it's get, if you get the three, I think those are great numbers because I think the Panthers actually end up winning this game going away. All right, your third and final pick here is a game that I'm going to be attending. Um, me, and Dan, me and Dan uh, talked about it earlier, and um, I'm I'm going to go see my New York Giants as they visit the Las Vegas Raiders. You have a play in this game. I think you're joining the party. Who do you like? I'm taking the Giants, man. I I, I this was a tough one because of the fact that I was thinking that, that when I when I ran the numbers before the pod today, I thought that the public would be pounding the Giants on this one. I mean, not pounding it, but I thought it would be a little bit more equal because of what's going on in Vegas with the coaching, with the team, et cetera, everything that's been going on, front office. And this is still one, uh, Jeff, that's heavy, heavy, heavy on the, on, the, on the Las Vegas Raiders. And some of that money is starting to, to bleed off the rose a little bit here, but it's still pretty heavy on the Raiders. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a team, and, and just really quick on the spread there, it's it, the Raiders are favored by about, depending on your favorite book, one and a half, one. Um, that, to me, is, is, is not right. Um, the Raiders are, are a mess. Uh, the Giants are a mess, too. But this is a situation where the public still believes, for some reason, that the Raiders, with the home field advantage, with the new front office or new coaching, with the new mantra that the team seems to have, that everything's going to be uh, fixed up and, and all ready to go in a week when you've got the Giants coming in that, like you said about the game last week, are just losing games in in, in amazing ways. And, and Brian Dayball comes off from winning the, the coach of the year last year to probably being the, the, the non-coach of the year this year and similar for the Raiders, obviously, and they got rid of their guy. So it's like you've got two teams that really both kind of stink and are both reeling. But this isn't the right situation, I don't believe, for the setup where the public should be pounding a team that is having more turmoil maybe behind it. And not that the Giants don't have turmoil, believe me, but Daniel Jones is coming back, and so that's at least something stabilizing. 
but also to the fact that the Raiders have not been good at home. Um, the, the, the scheme change there, the position changes that maybe they make, they, they obviously made it a quarterback, are not going to fix that problem in a matter of days. So therefore, I'm taking the Giants and I'm taking them probably to win this game outright. I mean, I'm getting about one and a half, two points. And um, I'm going to take that one to the bank and probably bet the Giants money line as well. Yeah, I think the Giants defense is just going to be all over that rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. He started against the Chargers earlier this year and Khalil Mack sacked him seven times. I think he took eight, ten sacks in that game in total. And while the Chargers have big names for pass rushers, they're really not that good. They actually don't generate that much pressure. Um, and those numbers are really boosted just by playing the Raiders. So I think, and he also coughed up the ball a couple times too when he got sacked. So yeah. he wasn't even he wasn't even taking the sack. He was also coughing up the football and giving it to the other side of the te- uh, side of the field. Yeah, and the Giants have two elite pass rushers: one on the interior, Dexter Lawrence, who just absolutely destroyed the New York Jets offensive line last week, and, and Kayvon Thibodeau, who is pretty good, but he's getting one-on-one matchups because Dexter Lawrence is eating all the interior blocking and. Um, he, he's been doing great at getting home to the quarterback. He forced a, uh, a strip. He had a strip sack fumble last week against Zach Wilson. So I actually think the Dolph, uh, the giants defense is going to carry them past the Raiders this year, uh, this week. And just all the turmoil with the Raiders and upheaval. It's just not a, just not a good team right now. And it's not a good vibe. So I'm with you there. Uh, I know Dan Z's with you. So, um, I think this is the first time all three of us have been aligned on a pick. So, yeah, so that's kind of scary. But we've been good on our on our joint picks so far this year. So I like that, dude. And we're not, like we're, not MB, we're not NBC Sports. It's not like all those uh, goofballs picking the same game. You know, it's cursed. We're we're good. Us aligning on the same on the same team is gonna be is gonna be a winner. In my, uh, it, it could be. Yeah, we have to treat it as like a rarity, and those are the ones that you gotta you gotta double down on. And I like the matchups too, Jeff. Like you mentioned, the defense versus, uh, especially the the Giants' defense versus the Raiders' offensive line. I like the Barkley Jacobs matchup. Um, you know, and, and even the quarterback matchup, like you said. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to come in here, coming off uh, let's say quote unquote some rest, let's say, um, and, and coming out with with just maybe a little bit of fire in his belly. And, and wanting to kind of, I think, reprove or reestablish, reassert the season that he was supposed to have. And so he's coming out here in a, in a perfect situation to do that, given the fact, too, that you mentioned the Raiders are just in complete turmoil. And getting rid of, like, a GM, getting rid of the coach, benching the quarterback, all these things in one week, those are usually never, never good for a team to recover all three of those things right at one point. So you're likely going to have, uh, you know, a couple weeks here while things get figured out on the Raiders' side. And while they do that, I am totally, totally on the Giants here. Yeah, it's a soft landing spot for Daniel Jones's return. I mean, you're playing against a, a, a Raiders defense, which is trash outside of Max Crosby and Marcus Peters making some um, some game-breaking plays here or there. Otherwise, that defense is very gettable. And Dan Jones has a lot to prove because, frankly, I don't think he was injured. I think he got benched. You know, like they were saying, they were saying, well, uh, Dable was saying, well, I don't know. We're going to monitor his health as we go along. We're not sure when he can come back. And then as soon as Tyrod Taylor gets injured, he's like, you know what? He's good. He can play. What do you know? He's ready. Yeah, Yeah. he's ready. Go figure. Taylor's Taylor's declared out. And he's like, oh, Jones is ready. Look at this. He stepped right out of the the gate here. (laughs) So that could be true. And I like that for a situation for Daniel Jones here because we saw last year 
when his back was against the wall, when he was down on one knee or whatever you want to say for the, for the imagery, he stepped up and he's got that in his belly to, I think, do that. And this is a perfect setup for the Raiders team. That's really, I mean, if you're, if you're a player on the Raiders right now, Jeff, are you excited or are you, are you displeased with what's going on? I mean, I think if you're, in that in that mix of players that are going out there and either on special teams, on you know middle linebackers, whatever it is, let's say it's defensive ends, whoever, you're sitting there talking to your boys in the locker room and like, man, this team is in bad, bad shape. And when that gets into your head, as you know and I know, we've played sports. That's not exactly when you get the best effort from some of these guys. I know these guys are pros. I know these guys will go out and give max effort. I'm just saying, in the overall scheme of the game. That tends to hurt a team's overall, say, luck value or, let's say, happenstance to get actually some breaks here and there. And I think that definitely hurts them on Sunday. No, that's a great point. I mean, they're saying that. Devontae Adams and and Josh Jacobs are not happy. They are admitting it publicly. Jimmy Garoppolo got, got benched. There's absolutely no lead, no structure in this organization right now. So all the vets... Outside of maybe Max Crosby, it just looks like Max Crosby's going 130% every single play regardless. But outside of him, this, to me, is just a corpse of a franchise. And, I mean, they're they're looking at a, a top-five pick. And hopefully for them in the Caleb Williams or Drake May sweepstakes. And, yeah, and then we'll see what they figure out to do with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback or quarterback contract because that was the other thing, too, we talked about on the pod a couple weeks ago when we were picking against Jimmy G. Um, hey man, he, he just does not look like a suitable quarterback for any team, whether it's the Raiders or anybody else, even my Vikings. And it's just like, man, you, you pay the guy $70 million or whatever they paid him to come there and just stink up the joint. That's pretty disappointing, and that's pretty disheartening if you're on the team itself. No, this is his last – this is his last opportunity as a starting quarterback. He's got happy feet. He doesn't have it anymore. So I don't see him being a starter. And he's uh, inaccurate. Next year. He's inaccurate and doesn't and he doesn't decide quickly either. If you look at him in the pocket this year, he's looking around. He's not really even yeah. you know, he's not really checking down. He's not really even looking off safeties. He's just like you said, happy feet, happy head, and then the ball's even off target. Dude, I talked myself into betting the Raiders last week um against the Lions, and on one hand, the Raiders had no business being in that game. And on the other hand, they should have covered. And it was crazy that they didn't cover. I don't even know how both of those things are possible. But if you watch the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. Jimmy G airmailed two touchdowns to Devontae Adams and threw another one in the end zone into double coverage. Into double, yep. I mean, it's terrible, terrible it, decision making. They should have covered that game and they had no business covering it, but they could have. And that's Jimmy G for you. And I think that's the Las Vegas Raiders for you, too. Yeah. So three three outkick bets contributors. All of us like the Giants. Fade at your own peril or follow at your own peril. All right. Scotty Markets, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, a.k.a. X, at Scotty Markets, where we're talking about sports, uh, food, music, and uh, maybe a little bit of stock investment type stuff, too. Who knows? You're a goddamn renaissance man. And one of my icons. I appreciate you taking the time. That's to why I on. come in here every week, Jeff. That's why I come on the pod every week because you're so complimentary. You're the <laughs> only one. <laughs> All right. Thanks, dude. Um, hey, and uh, I'll be back with some NBA podcasts um, before next week's NFL Week 10 preview. Obviously, Scott Martin will be back. I'm not sure about Dan Z. It was great to have him back this week. But until next time, peace. Peace.